What is up, everyone? My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. How's everyone going? How's everyone doing? Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your week, spending time with your family, your friends, watching the Davis Cup qualifiers as well. I'm not so sure. Hopefully, you guys are. If not, that's fine. I completely understand. Uh, there's a little bit of news that we can get into for today in terms of news. Outside of the tennis world, we can discuss Nikki Haley announcing her 2024 presidential run. My overall thoughts on it, why I think it will be a misfire on her behalf, why I don't think she's going to really succeed in that endeavor, and why I think the trust in her is quite misguided, uh, to say the least. Uh, We can also discuss uh, news within the tennis world as well, mostly from the tennis world today. Today's topics will mostly be from the tennis world, so hopefully you guys are, are fine with that. Uh, but today we'll also be discussing the ATP concluding their Sasha Zverev uh, investigation. So if you guys don't know, Sasha Zverev was accused of domestic abuse uh, by his former partner, and the ATP decided to take it in their arms to conduct an internal investigation in regards to the matter, and they found that there was not enough proof uh, for Sasha Zverev to be indicted on that uh, count. So he's going to get away scot-free. There will be no sort of penalty on his behalf. And overall, it's going to be a, it's going to be quite a, it's it's going to be quite interesting to see how the ATP is going to respond to this, especially Sasha Zverev. I think Sasha Zverev has a, a response uh, to it uh, that he posted on Instagram. So it'll be very interesting to see how he how he's going to handle it. Uh, but overall, uh, dark dark spot on tennis. Dark spot on tennis. I can say that for sure. We can all say that for sure. That that is a dark spot with the tennis world, and that should be uh, of concern and of note. Uh, but we're starting today. Will be the Australian Open. And obviously, as I discussed in my previous podcast, I will be discussing as to whether or not this year's Australian Open was a good product. And overall, I will say this. Uh, Was the Australian Open a good product? Yes, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I didn't usually for the Australian Open, I would not say that uh, because it does get draining at times. It does get very, very monotonous it, it can be very taxing especially when you live in the east coast of the united states and we have to stay up until 5 6 a.m to watch these matches it can be very taxing to watch two journeymen face off in the second week of a grand slam it, it's it's I'm, I'm just saying it from my own experience it's very tough it's very very difficult and uh yeah i, I just think it's it's just it's just bad it just really is bad uh to see it um so overall the Ocean Open, in my opinion, from from the from based off what I've seen, uh, is it was a good product. I thought this year's Australian Open was fine. Um, you know, I know a lot of individuals like to critique it and whatnot because of the time difference, because of the length of matches, and I understand those are all notable critiques, and I think that's fine. Uh, but in terms of the pace of play, in terms of not pace of play, but in terms of the quality of play, I should say, I thought it was quite neat. I thought it was quite nice. And I thought it was something that we could all sort of look at and, and think to ourselves, man, oh man, was were, were the tennis players just of quality and just were of of just just nice. They were just nice to watch. I mean, when you think about Ruba, when you think about Djokovic, when you think of Karen Kochinov and how he's able to really go past the trials of the first four rounds to reach the quarterfinal and to reach the semifinal, despite all the baggage he had to go through, despite everything that he had to face and still play against Stefan Sitsipas. And while he did lose to Stefan Sitsipas in a pretty convincing fashion, the fact that he was able to reach that part that far into that tournament really goes to show you the importance of just being able to have that correct mentality on things. So in that regard, I do think that it was successful. I do think that the quality of play was nice. I do think that we were able to see some great matchups. You know, Rublev, Djokovic, another one. Any Murray Berrettini, that first round matchup is, to me, it will be considered one of the best matches of this past year because of Andy Murray's willingness to win and go five sets against Berrettini. And even that second round, second round match between him and Kokonakis, I thought that, was, that match was very stellar as well. Uh, so overall, the matches were good. The matches are very good for those for this Australian Open, and you know there will be certain matches where we'll be thinking five years, ten years from now, where we'll be like, yeah, those were some great matches. Uh, but overall, in terms of the Australian Open, do I think it exceeded expectations? Um, that's where I sort of disagree with that. You know, for me, when I think about this tournament, this tournament was so heavily was just so heavily 
influenced by that Netflix Breakpoint documentary. And it did seem as if this Australian Open needed certain figures, certain stars to do well in this tournament based off of what we saw in that Breakpoint documentary and certain stars that were in and featured in that Breakpoint documentary. And it felt as if because of the fact that we weren't able to see the success of said tennis players, it really did take away from the ability to for us to really be involved in the Ocean Open. And not just for us, I just think for the casual viewer, for the casual fan, it's very, very difficult for us to be, you know, for, for the casual fan to be invested in the Ocean Open. If they don't see their favorite tennis player or favorite tennis star within that documentary also do well in the Ad Open. I mean, let's go down, let's run down the list of stars that were in this documentary that didn't do that well in the tournament, right? I mean, most of the people that were in this documentary did not do well in the tournament, uh, besides a few notable exceptions, mostly FAA. But let's get into that. Uh, first episode, it starts off with Kyrgios and his doc and his and documenting his overall struggle, uh, his overall success at the Australian Open last year. Uh, he lost, he was out due to injury in the first round. That's what happened in the first episode. So the main guy for the first episode is out due to injury. All right, second episode, Bertini. Bertini was featured uh, in this documentary. For episode two, he lost to lost in the first round to Annie Murray uh, in the Australian Open. So that's number two. That's our second star. Episode three, so it details Taylor Fritz, obviously American guy. Yeah, that was I thought that that would be the first episode of the of the documentary, but it was Nick Curios. Uh, so, anyways, episode three out of the out of the second round of the Australian Open, not great, not great whatsoever. Um, so yeah, overall, it was just one of those things where where you just sort of run down the list. And even episode four, we can get into the WTA side of things. So Owens Jabour lost in the second round to Vundrasova, and Bodosa, who was also in that episode, uh, withdrew in her match. And that was in the first round. So it's it hasn't been the best. It wasn't the best documentary to showcase the, the players that were featured in the Ocean Open. Hopefully in the next season, whenever that happens, maybe it's before Ron Garros or Wimbledon, maybe there can be players that have done well in those tournaments but can also do well in uh, in the tournament you know that can also do well in the tournament that are, are featured in the documentary you know so hopefully for Ron Garros it can show Rafa Nadal I don't know if they can afford him he's kind of expensive uh, to be featured in but if not then maybe Cass Root I mean he reached the final last year Stefano Sitsipas he reached the final before that um, you know just have players that can do well for Ron Garros and that you can expect to do well so that when they are in that documentary, it, it doesn't come across as who are these people? You know, because if you're a casual fan and if you're watching Fritz get bounced in the second round and Kyrgios bounced in the first round, you're, you'll be like, is this all that tennis has to offer? Just these tennis players? These tennis players that are nationally ranked but can't get past the second round against jobbers? You know, it's one of those things where you have to be very you have to be very calculative in terms of who you feature in your documentary because Based off that, it's going to it's going to dictate as to whether or not the tournament's successful. And for this tournament, it was so vehemently and so focused and so geared on the documentary where we couldn't really look past it. So overall, I think that's something that needs to be sort of addressed in a lot of ways is the is the ability to uh, to just be able to to ha showcase players that can do well at a tournament before a tournament's being shown. And if they're able to do that, then it really goes to show you that that at the end of the day, that tennis can be in good hands, you know, because this is not a good represent that documentary uh, based off what we know now uh, and based off whether or not they'll succeed later on in this year. Hopefully they will. Uh, I don't think that documentary was a good representation of what tennis can be. Um, and that's not against the players, because I understand that's not in their control. You know, they lost early rounds, they got injuries, it's not their fault. You know, I'm not blaming the tennis players by this, by any metric. I just think that it could have been better if they were able to showcase tennis players that can succeed and can thrive, can do well. You know, I think that's one of those things that we, we can all admit, is that this documentary could have been better, and it, it should be better. And I don't know what's going to be happening for season two. I do not, I do not know. I do not know what will be happening for season two. Hopefully it can be good. You know, hopefully we can get to a point where, where it can be fun, enjoyable, and we can get to a point where 
it can elicit and, and draw uh, spectators and, and, and new viewers and new crowds. I think that'll be very fun and, and something that should be of precedent. Uh, but overall, I think that this documentary could have benefited greatly if we just got to that point. If we just got to that point where we could see, um, you know, tennis players that can do well and, and should do well. You know, just that, just that alone could could really benefit the product in a lot of ways. Uh, so yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on the documentary. And not just the documentary, but just, just the Ocean Open. You know, again, when you think about the Final Four, you know, when you think about Andrei Rublev and Karen Kochanov, you know, there were good sides to the documentary. There were good sides to this documentary in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and, and that's something that I think should be of, of, of focus, you know, is, is just that. Um, you know, it's just being able to uh, to 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 be geared for for that in general, you know, is to be is to be able to to focus on that and, and to get, you know, more and more uh, individuals to be invested in the product. And if they're able to do that, then that'd be great, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, but overall, those are my thoughts on that documentary. Uh, it could have been better it, it, on, the, on the tournament. It, 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 I definitely do think that the documentary and the Ocean Open, if, if they were able to just mingle it together, you know, if they're able to find a way to, to market both aspects and both products, then it, it might have been better in a lot of ways. But I, I don't think that could have been the case. Um, Anyways, those are my overall thoughts on the documentary. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of going ahead of my time here. Uh, but again, the documentary was just so important in a lot of ways. I don't think we're really getting into the meat and potatoes of it. The documentary was so important, you know, because this was supposed to generate a lot of more interest and a lot more excitement for tennis. You know, but so I think we're getting at a time now. You know, maybe this is where it sort of leads to uh, with the conversation. But I feel like we're getting at a moment in time now where if you're a fan of tennis, you're going to be a lifer. If you're not into tennis by your first impression of it, it's going to be very difficult for you to be a fan of it. You know, and, and that sucks. It, it sucks for me to say that. But, you know, I think for a lot of individuals, that's how they sort of view it. And that's sort of how they focus on, you know, is being able to to be able to get that to get to that point, you know. You know, is being able to focus on it, you know, is to get individuals to to be invested in, in the product and to be invested in in, in the uh, in in the in the sport. You know, I think a lot of individuals don't want to admit that. And I understand why, because, you know, it does lead to diminishing numbers. But I do think that in order to generate excitement for the sport of tennis, I really don't know what the answer is. Uh, for casual viewers for for new viewers, you know people say oh, we need to get more American tennis players But I mean if you look at other sports, it really doesn't matter if they're American or not I mean Shohei Otani is one of the most beloved sports figures in baseball and it's not as if he's like You know, uh, it's not as if he's as, as if nobody likes him like obviously he's one of the most remarkable players in the sport He's one of the most liked most well-beloved players within the sport of baseball. So it really doesn't matter if they're If they're from America or not what matters is their ability to captivate an audience and You know, there are certain individuals that do do that You know, I mean, I think Carlos Alcroft has as a massive potential in doing that and hopefully as he gets better with age and time and you know is able to uh, Fend off that injury that he currently has maybe he's able to do that but Again, it's one of those things where, you know, who knows what's going to be what's going to happen for the future of tennis. But right now, I'm just enjoying every second of it. Like I really am. And when you see all these storylines, when you think about FAA, when you think about, you know, you know, when you think about uh, Alcaraz or Holger Rune, you know, when you think about, you know, all of these tennis players that have done extremely well at such a young age, you know, it really goes to show you that the future is in good hands. And um, hopefully we can be able to focus on that because I know I spent a lot of time railing on the documentary and whatnot and, you know, being very disappointed by the sudden uh, lack of, of enjoyment out of it. I understand that. I, I've sort of been uh, very much focused on it, uh, on that. And I, I do think that's very important to at least point out and acknowledge is that. Uh, but overall, I do think in a lot of ways uh, that, Tennis can still survive and still succeed. And um, yeah, hopefully we can get to that point, you know, where we can see that, you know, I, I want to see, I want to get to that point, you know, where we can uh, acknowledge that and, and get to that point. Um, but yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on, on that documentary. Uh, it it could have been better it sh uh, on the, on the tournament. Uh, it could have been better, 
but overall I'm happy with the on the court play. You know, and I think it's very, very important to separate that the two, you know, where we can look at the on the court play and say, that's great, but also acknowledge that, hey, it can also be better in terms of viewership, in terms of numbers, in terms of excitement, um, you know, because I don't know if there's going to be a season two, you know, I don't know if there was enough excitement for it to generate a season two. I don't know if it's like Drive to Survive, uh, the F1 documentary where people just love it and rave it, uh, because I, I do notice that there was a general increase in viewership because of that documentary so i don't know if it's going to happen again uh i can only hope that it happens again uh, but uh yeah overall it's just I i'm just so so taken aback by it you know i'm so taken aback and, and, and in a good way i mean like i'm just so taken aback by the success that tennis has been having over the past few years since i've been running this podcast like i i remember i used to have this talk uh this a discussion on this podcast of oh will tennis do well oh will tennis do well and i realized that you know it, it's a it's a conversation that just run that just makes you run in circles you know it, it, there's no point to having the conversation whatsoever in a lot of ways i wish it wasn't the case you know i wish that it wasn't the case whatsoever uh, but yeah it, it just i just think it's one of those things where you, you just gotta look at it and think to yourself um it, you're kind of wasting your time while having that conversation and maybe i'm always i am wasting my time so maybe i should change the topic uh but i feel like the conversation is just so dry now it's it's like every time I, I talk about it the more i think to myself does it really matter you know does it really matter the people that love tennis will love will continue to love tennis you know people that don't like tennis will continue to dislike tennis it really doesn't matter what happens what 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 should happen is just that the atp the wta whoever is in charge should just drum up more more excitement for it and hopefully we can get to a point where we can see documentaries that feature tennis players that can do well later in that tournament you know so hopefully if there's wrong guards we can see Kasparu, Stefan Tsitsipas, Djokovic, uh, Nadal I know the last two might be a little bit more expensive but I do think that these are just certain things that could happen that can make the sport tennis even much more enjoyable uh, for new viewers. And again, I want to be very clear here, and I should have said this in the beginning, but those who like tennis will continue to like tennis, and those who don't will continue to dis dislike it. There's no reason for me to to uh, look at it and think to myself, oh, it could do better. You know, it, it makes no sense whatsoever to think that. Uh, but yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on that, on the topic. On, on that point of discussion. So let's let's get into our next topic here. This one I think will be a little, a bit, a little bit of a black on the sport. So the HP has concluded their investigation on Sasha Zverev, and they have deemed him to uh, to be innocent or to be not guilty. I think that's a better way of saying it. They have deemed him to be not guilty. Uh, so yes, the ATP has concluded their investigation on Sasha Zverev, and they found him not guilty on the charges. Uh, so let's just get right into it. So this is from their from their own website, uh, and I'm be, I'll be very clear here and be very vocal about it because I do think that uh, be very upfront about what what it is because I do want to get this entire thing in context. Uh, but yeah, overall, let's get into it. So a major independent investigation into Alexander Swerve has found insufficient evidence to substantiate public allegations of abuse. As a result, no disciplinary action will be taken by ATP. Commissioned by ATP in October 2021, the investigation looked into allegations of domestic abuse made by Zverev's former girlfriend, Olya Sharapova. While the primary focus of the investigation related to alleged abuses taking place at the ATP Masters 1000 event in Shanghai in 2019, its scope also included purported misconduct in other locations, including Monaco, New York, Geneva, as referenced in public reporting. The investigation was carried out by the Lake Forest Group, a third-party investigator led by founder and chief executive G. Michael Verdon and Jennifer Magjovac. Both Verdon and Magjovac are licensed private investigators with more than 60 years of continued experience in the field, including in professional sports. LFG was directed to conduct the investigation in a fully independent manner, with ATP's outside legal counsel, Smith, Hulsey, and Busey, served as intermediary, ATP assisted with access to information and witnesses as, re as requested. LFG conducted extensive interviews with both Sharapova and Zverev and 24 other individuals, including family, friends, tennis players, and other parties involved with the ATP tour. The investigation reviewed submissions by both Sharapova and Zverev, including text messages, audio files, and photos. This included materials voluntarily extracted from Zverev's electronic devices via a third-party forensic expert. LFG also reviewed operational records related 
to the Shanghai tournament, documents submitted by third-party witnesses and public records, including social media posts and press reports. Following an exhaustive 15-month process, the LFG, I, I know I'm getting too much into it, but I think it's very, very important to hear it in its full context because I don't want to get to that point where where we just accuse people of, of hearsay and and uh, not take everything into consideration. I don't want to get to that point where we do that. Uh, so I, I think it's very important that I say it in, in, in its entirety. Following an exhaustive 15-month process, just like me reading this, it's exhaustive, uh, LFG submitted its full report to ATB based on a lack of reliable evidence and eyewitness reports. In addition to conflicting statements by Sharapova, Zverev, and other interviewees, the investigation was unable to substantiate the allegations of abuse or determine the evaluation of ATB's on-site offenses or player major offenses rules took place. As a result, no disciplinary action against Verev will be taken by ATP. The determination may, however, be reevaluated should new evidence come to light, or should any legal proceedings reveal violations of ATP rules. Zverev has consistently denied all allegations and supported ATP investigations. Eight, uh, this is from Massimo Cavalli, so this is the ATP CEO. This is the first time I ever heard his, heard his name, so uh, this is going to be very, very interesting uh, because that, that only good, only bad things happen from here on out. The seriousness and complexity of these allegations required an extremely thorough investigative process and considerable resources. It also required us to turn to specialist investigators, which was new ground for ATP. We ultimately believe the exhaustive process responsive on safeguarding matters. It is the reason we've taken steps in the direction, with a lot of important work still ahead. In October 2021, the ATP Commission in an independent safeguarding report to ensure all adults, minors involved in men's professional tennis are safe and protected from abuse. A hiring process has recently been completed to appoint a dedicated head of safeguarding who will oversee uh, implement implementation of the report's recommendations. So that was ATP's comment on that matter. Uh, it only made things more confusing to me. I don't think it really answered any questions for anybody. Uh, I think they did a heck of a job at squashing the story by releasing it in the same week as the Australian Open final with Djokovic winning. I think they did an impressive job at that. Um, but let's get into Zverev's response because I think Zverev's response is also very, very key and very, very integral for this story. So Zverev's response is as follows. From the beginning, I've maintained my innocence and denied the baseless allegations made against me. I welcomed and fully cooperated with the ATP's investigation and am grateful for the organization's time and attention in this matter. This decision marks a third neutral party third neutral third party arbiter who has reviewed all relevant information and made a clear and informed decision on this matter in my favor in my addition to the atp's independent investigation i have also initiated court proceedings in germany uh, and russia both of which i have won i'm grateful that this is finally a resolved and my priority is now is recovering from injury and concentrating on what i love most in the world tennis I want to thank my friends, family, and fans for their ongoing support. We followed the long and difficult process, and justice has prevailed. Uh, all right. I don't know about the last part, but uh, <laughs> all right. So it's very, very important before I get into this before I get into this story that these are all allegations. All right. I don't want to accuse Sajjir of anything that he hasn't been accused of, and I don't want to say anything that is that is deemed for Zero to be guilty. You know, it's very, very important that I be very clear in this regard, that I say things in a very clear and coherent way because I don't want to be accused of anything. I don't want him to sue me. And most importantly, I don't want to get to a point where I accuse other individuals of things that they haven't done. So for that matter, I'll always say allegedly in regards to this conversation, in regards to Sasha Zverev, um, I will say allegedly. I will will say allegedly uh, because I don't want to get to that point where I get sued for something that he may or may not have done. So I don't want to get to that point. So here's the thing. I know a lot of people are mad at, 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 at the ATP for their investigation. Uh, and I think it's very, very important that I admit the following. It's not that he's proven innocent. It's just that he didn't have enough evidence to, for us to make him find him guilty. Let me let me rephrase that. Let me say that again because I want to be very clear. It's not that he's proven innocent. It's just it's that they just didn't find enough evidence for him to be found guilty. That's it. That's where the conversation should start. Is that it, it's not that he's innocent. It's just that they didn't find enough evidence for him to be found guilty. And to me, when I think about this story, when I look at this story, a few things. First off, I want to say this. The ATP... I don't blame the ATP for doing what they did. Obviously, when you have a black eye on the sport like this, it's very, very important to 
to do so in a way where you can be able to continue with the show while also understanding that that you can't really what's what's the best way of saying this that it's important that the show must go on but also that you can continue it without making it such a black eye and i i take into account what what the people that had 60 years of experience are saying I hope that they're that they're being honest about that and, and for, uh, forthcoming about that, uh, because I do think that that is very very important. Uh, that the private investigators that were a part of this, uh, that they are being truthful and honest about their uh, assertion, and that they are being truthful and honest about their investigation. Um, but again, the ATP is a tennis organization. Uh, they're not used to this. This is their first time doing this. Who knows, you know, what they thought in mind, but overall just understand that they're coming from a place and from a perspective that is quite third party and not just in third party in the way that they're conducting themselves in, but in terms of the way that they are able to, um, the, the, the way that they're able to conduct this, you know, and in terms of, I know I just said what I just said, but I understand that they, they really have no experience with this. So it's very it's very easy to blame the ATP, and they should have done better. I think, in a lot of ways, we can all agree that the way that the ATP handled this should have been better. Uh, but overall, it's one of those things where you look at it and think to yourself, "Man, man, oh man, this would have been better if this was just done through like the court of law, if this was just done through like the ju- the judicial system, not through a tennis league." You know, I-, I think we expect a lot of things out of certain programs and whatnot, and, and whatnot. Uh, but I do think that this could have been better if this was just done through some form of tennis league. Uh, honestly, I really do think so. Uh, through uh, through the through the judicial system, that's what I meant. Not through the tennis league, but through a judicial system. If a judicial system was able to get into this, it would have been better. A lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it could have been better. Uh, but the fact that this was this was the case, the fact that we had to to sit through a year for nothing to happen, uh, I, I think that's a little. There's a lot of moving parts to it, and I, for one, uh, understand that it's just—it's just very difficult. This this position is just very difficult in a lot of ways, and I, I don't really blame the ATP for doing this, you know, because again, what what control do they do they have? You know, I what what kind of how, they can't put this guy behind bars. You know, it's just—it's one of those things where where we expect more and we didn't get it. Um, so yeah, overall, the ATP. I felt as that they could have done better with this investigation, uh, because again, there seems to be a lot of credible allegations against Zverev, and they do seem to be quite genuine. Um, and even his on-the-court demeanor, when you see him at Acapulco last year, I mean, you you just see an individual that is very callous with the way he treats individuals, and is very carefree with the way he treats individuals. So if I know we shouldn't judge tennis players based off their off-the-court persona on what they do on the court. But I do think it's fair to say that. I do think it's fair to say that that there are certain individuals that just, you can just tell that they're just bad individuals. I'm not accusing him of anything that he hasn't done, so I don't want to, don't put that on me, but you can just tell by the way they act that they, they haven't really been empathetic or sympathetic to other individuals or what they've been going through. And you saw that with Sasha Zverev. Um, so yeah, overall with Sasha Zverev, this is a black on the sport and he's going to be, he's going to be asked these questions day in and day out. As soon as he gets back on the court, as soon as he gets back from this injury, he's going to be asked these questions and he's got to do the best of his ability to make sure that he's able, he's able to answer it in the most clear and concise way possible. Cause if he isn't able to do that, then he's going to have a PR shift and a lot of people are going to turn on him and they already are as, as, as I'm speaking. But you know, I think this is one of those situations where you look at it and think to yourself that it has to be better than this. You know, the ATP needs to do better and, and, than, than this in a lot of ways. And hopefully we, we can get, get to that point. Uh, you know, so again, it, it's going to be very, very important uh, to um, to admit that and, and to to get that in, 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 in motion. So that's that's sort of where I wanted to say. And, you know, I know this is, this is going to be a very... I wouldn't say unpopular because I do think that it's important to hear out, you know, the people that are accused that are that are accusing Sasha Zverev of this. And for me, as an individual, I think it's very, very important to understand that, you know, innocence, innocent, you know, innocent until proven guilty. You know, he hasn't been caught doing this. 
so based off what we hear, you know, we got to take that in stride and we got to understand that. Uh, it may not be in the most popular opinion to say, but again, it's innocent until proven guilty. I think we should let the court system handle this. You know, I think that should be the focus and of concern. Um, now, again, should the ATP do, do, do something in regards to this? Yeah, obviously, of course. You know, I think the ATP sort of whiffed on this a lot. Um, you know, would, would a su su suspension be su sufficient? Sure. Um, but again, it's one of those things where, I mean, I, I don't really, I, I, it's just so difficult. If I'm in the ATB shoes, I would also have a difficult time trying to find a punishment for Sasha Zverev. I really, I really would. I'll be like, what do I do with this information? Like, like how, how long should I suspend in? Is the suspension enough? You know, will there be people that will be mad at me for suspending him for uh, six months to a year. I mean, if I was the ATP, I mean, this is just how I would do about it. But if I was the ATP and I found out that the allegations were credible, and if I conducted conducted an investigation that was genuine, that wasn't so favored in one direction, then yeah, I would. And if he was to be found guilty, then I would suspend him for a year. Uh, that's sort of how I would go about things. Uh, but again, it's Again, you have to understand that it's the ATP, you know, it's like, what do you expect from it? You know, it's an ATP, you should expect some form of foolery here and there, you know, you should expect Sasha Zverev to get away in certain ways more than others. It's not right, it's not right whatsoever, but it's, it's just like any other sports league, they're going to protect their own, you know, so it, it does, it does stink, it does stink a lot. And, and again, he's found innocent. That's very, very important here. So I don't want to put anything on him. And again, based off what we've seen, you got we got to take that. We got to accept that. You know, it may not be uh, the most ideal way of handling things, but it is a resolution and it must be discussed. But I will say on the flip side to it, and this is very, very important that I must admit, I'm also getting to that point now where I'm tired and I'm so sick and tired of seeing Saj's very defenders. I really am. I'm so sick and tired of... of of seeing on Reddit, on Twitter, of people that are just so dogmatic in their faith of Zashtarev. Because at the end of the day, what has he accomplished to justify this kind of love and nurturing? What has he accomplished to justify this love and nurturing? How, like, what has he done? What has he done? Let me know in the comments below. What has he done? The most famed thing he's ever done is choke away the US Open final because he couldn't buy a first serve. That's the most the most famed thing ever. So to see the amount of people that are overly defensive on Sasha Zverev, it's fine if you think he's innocent, whatever. I mean, you may be wrong, but whatever. Uh, just my opinion, again, allegedly. I'll, I want to put a legend out there because uh, I don't want to get sued. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where if this was Djokovic or Murray, and if you're defending Djokovic or Murray, uh, in term, or just any of the big three, uh, if they've, they've been accused of something, then okay, whatever. It is what it is. Because at least they've done something. At least they've done something. And to me, when I see this, I, I just think that, thankfully, the new, the next generation is not as bad as Verve. Thankfully, the Alcrosses, the, the Alcrosses, the, it's very difficult to say Alcross with a Catalan Spanish accent. It's very, if, to make a plural, it's very difficult. But when you think of Alcross, when you think of Holger Room, when you think of FAA, thankfully they're not in that position where they're beating their wives and beating their girlfriends. Thankfully they're not. And thankfully the big four are not in that position either. Thankfully the big four have been great, representative, great representatives for the sport of tennis. They have. They've been incredible. The influence that they've, that they've made on the sport of tennis is untouchable. They've done things for the sport of tennis that no one can even foresee. And they really made tennis a worldwide sport in a lot of ways. And to see Zverev, the next guy, the the guy in the next generation or so-called next generation, I don't think he's going to be in that position. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he will ever win the same amount of majors as Alcraz or Holger Rune. Uh, but to see Sasha Zverev completely ruin that is just mind-boggling to me. And I think that's the most important thing to take away from is that, or within the sport of tennis, within the the within tennis, is that. Sasha Zverev has just not been a good representative for tennis in quite some time now. 
And as evidenced by those domestic abuse allegations that are levied against him by his former girlfriend, as well as the on-the-court drama that he, that he had to go through in the past year or so with Acapulco and whatnot, is that it's it's been very difficult for us to, for anybody to see Severov and to really root for him. And more importantly, it, he just hasn't conducted himself correctly in the slightest. And, and that's something that will be part of his legacy, is that he was supposed to be the next guy. You know, people don't want to mention this, but Zverev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, they were supposed to be that next generation. And now that they're in the mid-20s, now they're into their late-20s, not not late-20s, but getting to that point of their late-20s, and as we see that they haven't really been successful on the court, it's very, very difficult for us to look at it and think to ourselves, yeah, I understand exactly why they're the next face of tennis. You know, their generation, that generation has passed. And with them more success of Holger Rune and Carlos Alcaraz, they're quickly being forgotten. Maybe not so much Medvedev and Tsitsipas, but Zverev in particular. So again, understand that. You know, understand that the big three has left such an indomitable mark on the sport tennis. And the keys were there. The keys were there for Sasha Zverev to take. But unfortunately, it's gone to that point now where he just hasn't been able to do that. And because of that, we're seeing these diminishing results. We're seeing an individual who is out doing an ankle injury. Obviously, that sucks, and hopefully he gets better. Uh, but we're seeing an individual who was accused of domestic abuse and had to go through the ringer for a year. And still, people are mad because even though he was found innocent, people still find the idea that he was guilty and that there's still more credible accusations going after him by based off his former ex-girlfriend. So again, it's one of those things where... It's just so difficult for me to really look at him and say, yeah, I want you to succeed. And how could you? Like, how could anybody say that to Sverev? You know, so, I, again, it's going to be interesting to see how, how he's going to be treated back in tennis when he comes back into tennis. But overall, I, I'm just... Two things can be true, all right? Two things can be true. we got to accept it at face value. Innocent until proven guilty. He's found innocent. It is what it is. But also... We can also think to ourselves that, hey, maybe the investigation was not as fair and balanced as we wanted to be. And we can also admit that he hasn't really been a good face for tennis and that it must be changed and addressed sooner rather than later. I think that's sort of where I wanted to leave it off at that in regards to this discussion. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'm, I'm just, I look at this story and think to myself, why? Why, why, why this guy, why now? Again, the, the way that they dropped it the day after Djokovic won the Australian Open, quite suspect in a lot of ways. Um, again, nothing good comes out of the story. Nothing good comes out of the story at all. So again, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you look at and think to yourself, I just wish we could get past this point. you know. But unfortunately, it's news. Unfortunately, it's news and I got to cover it and... Yeah, there's nothing good that comes out of this at all. Nothing good comes out of this, out of the story, out of out of this, out of these allegations. You know, I, I just wish the ATP didn't get involved in this by hiring private investigators uh, that they seem to have, that they seem to think that they have six years of experience. Because once you involve yourself in it, then and once you involve yourself in the, into this investigation, you're just going to you're just going to be blamed for being biased. I mean, that's what's going to happen. The fact that you put yourself in this, I think that that's that's quite concerning. That that should not have that should not have happened, because you're going to be accused of bias if you seem if you deem him to be proven innocent, and if he seems to be proven guilty, then you're just going to uh, get more people thinking that oh he wasn't penalized enough. So there's nothing that good that comes out of this when you haven't when you file an investigation on Zverev. If anything, just let the judicial system happen, uh, let, let, uh, happen, let the court system happen, and see what happens with that. Uh, but to put yourself in this, I, I think that's quite bad. Uh, I don't think that that really helps out anybody. So yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on on that discussion in regards to uh, on Sasha Zverev. You know, I, I thought it was very, very important for me to to talk about it ad nauseum because. Uh, to talk about it more than I should have because I feel like there's a lot of moving parts to this. I want to make sure that I'm being clear with my beliefs that I don't think the ATP should have investigated in Zvera because you just add more fuel to the fire whether he, whether or not he's proved innocent or guilty. But I can also admit that it's very difficult for us to root for, for Sasha Zverev. 
You know, it's very difficult for me to cover Sasha's Vera knowing what he's been going through. And it's very difficult for anybody to be vocally on the side of Sasha's Vera. You know, when you think of individuals uh, on Twitter or whatnot saying that they're not supporting Sasha's Vera, how can you blame them? How can you? So overall, those are my thoughts on that, on that, on that regard, in that regard. And uh, hopefully we can, we can get to a point where um, we can just not be in that position, you know, again. I hope this story never happens again. I really hope so. I hope we, I hope no no other tennis player is involved in this kind of domestic abuse situation ever. You know, I just just nothing good. No good stories happen because of this. I don't I don't enjoy talking about this. I'm going to be quite honestly. I'm just talking this about this because it's within the tennis world, and I feel as if it's important to cover it, to talk about it, to address it, to address the elephant in the room. Uh, but I have no pride and no enjoyment talking about this. It, it's just not fun. It really isn't. Uh, so yeah, overall, that's my uh, those are my thoughts on the Sasha Zverev situation. All right, let's get into our next bit of discussion here. Our last topic for today uh, before I sign off. Uh, very light on the ten- on the topics for today, so hopefully understand. Not a lot of news has happened, uh, so maybe that's good for you. But uh, this is kind of interesting within the political realm. So. Former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley has announced or plans to announce her intentions to run for president in 2024. Uh, I chuckled at this because if you know anything about Nikki Haley, you know, there's one thing that she loves to do, and that's to make an ass out of herself and to run the most milk toast establishment politics you can even fathom. Uh, so let's get into right into this. This is from Fox News. So former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who served as an ambassador for the United Nations during former President Donald Trump's administration, will join Trump in the race for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Multiple sources confirmed to Fox News Digital that Haley will formally declare her candidacy for the White House at an event in Charleston, North Carolina on February 15th, with an invitation soon going out to her supporters. News of Haley's announcement was first reported by the Post and Courier newspaper in South Carolina. Political pundits have long viewed Haley as a potential GOP presidential contender, as she crisscrossed the country the past two years through her political group Stand for America. Helping fellow Republicans in the 2022 elections, Haley travels Haley's travels brought her numerous times to Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, which hold the first, second, and fourth contests in the Republican presidential nominating calendar. Haley's home state of South Carolina votes third in the GOP primary schedule. When speaking with reporters uh, last year who questioned her about a White House run, Haley reiterated that after November, we'll figure it out. But you know what I've said. I've never lost a race. I'm not going to start now. If there's a place for me, we'll put 100% in and we'll finish it. Haley turned up the volume in a speech following the midterms at, at the Republican Jewish Coalition's National Annual Leadership Meeting. Uh, uh, let me say that again because I, I don't think I said that correctly. Uh, Haley turned up the volume in a speech following the midterms at the Republican Jewish Coalition's Annual Leadership, leadership Meeting. That's a, that's a tongue twist, twister, um, which was viewed as the first major Jew, 2024 GOP presidential cattle call. Uh, a lot of people have asked if I'm going to run for president, Haley said to cheers from the crowd, from the crowd at the L- Las Vegas confab. Now that the midterms are over, I'm looking at it in a serious way. She repeated that she's never lost an election and that when people when people underestimate her, it's always fun. All right, so here's the thing with Nikki Haley. Uh, I truly do not know where her calling is. I really don't know. Uh, I don't know whether or not this melanin version of Hillary Clinton will be successful in the primaries. I don't think so whatsoever. I really don't think so uh, at all. I mean, when you look at Indian Republicans who tend to vote, well, well, let me rephrase that. When you think about Indians who tend to vote Republican, they're probably going to vote for Donald Trump. And when you think about the average GOP establishment voter uh, who is going to vote in the primaries for 2022, they're going to they're going to vote for DeSantis. So I don't know where she's going to land uh, at all. Uh, I just wish her well. Uh, at, I really do. Again, again, as I've said before, she's the melanin version of Hillary Clinton. She combines the worst politics of neoliberalism with the worst policies of neoconservatism. Uh, that's her. That's her campaign in a nutshell. Uh, so again, I don't. I don't want to see her win. I, I don't think that's. I don't think she's good for the country whatsoever. Again, as I mentioned before, she's very militaristic. She's for every genocide known to man. I don't think she's ever met a bomb 
for a country that she hasn't liked before. I, again, she is the poster child for every defense firm in America. Like, if anything, the only people that will be happy are individuals that work for defense firms and that are in uh, middle and higher upper management for defense firms. That's the only individuals that will truly care about Nikki Haley winning. It's it's not it's nothing but that. It's nothing but that. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of what I wanted to really uh, talk about for for Nikki Haley is that. I don't know who's going to support her. I really don't know who her base is. I mean, I think she's going to get less than 1% of the polls. And more importantly, do you know how hilarious it will be for the debates when Trump debates Nikki Haley? Oh, my God. Donald Trump will verbally and character assassinate Nikki Haley to the highest form. Like, if you think him going after Ted Cruz back in 2016 was something, you're going to see... And a decimation of character on Trump for Nikki Haley, by Trump for Nikki Haley. And it's going to be hilarious to watch. And for me, like the Republican primaries, for some odd reason, and maybe this is because of the emergence of Trump, but for some odd reason, they're the most entertaining. Like they are wrestling to the highest form and Trump brings it. And I'm sure DeSantis will bring it. And if they go handicap on Nikki Haley, it will be hilarious. If they double team on Nikki Haley, no, no, no innuendo uh, required for that. I'm just saying if they double team on Nikki Haley, uh, it will be hilarious. It will be absolutely hysterical. Um, I just want to see the debates just to see Nikki Haley get get rammed. You know, I just want to see Nikki Haley get just thrashed. Uh, that's the only reason as to why the the debate will be hilarious. So it will be just to see Nikki Haley. Had, you know, wipe that smug off her face and just face the realities of the situation that she's just unlikable and that she's two-faced and that she's a grifter to the highest form and that she's a snake old as Hillsman. I mean, I saw a recent interview uh, back earlier this year, uh, last year, I, sh- I should say, where she said that if Donald Trump runs, I will not be running for president. And she backtracked on that, backtracked on that based off this announcement and based off the uh, news source that she's running for president. And we all knew that she's running for president. We all knew that because that's her. She's an opportunist of the highest form. She's a, she's a person that will climb the political ladder. It doesn't matter if she's Democrat or Republican. All she wants to care about is, you know, focusing on climbing up that ladder. And that's what her MO is. And that's what her MO will always be, is climbing that ladder. You know, she's basically Kamala Harris, but for the Republican Party. And that's who, that's her MO. That's what she is. So yeah, overall, uh, I, I for one am excited to see Nikki Haley running because I want to see her get thrashed in the debates. I really want to see her get thrashed. Uh, and I, I, I want to get to another point in, t- in this uh, discussion because you know a lot of people will, a lot of liberals will get, go after Nikki Haley, uh, and for good reason, obviously for good reason. Uh, but I see a lot of liberals uh, say like, oh. Her real name's not Nikki; it's Nieti. Like, how can you, like, how can you do that as an Indian woman? It's like we all have nicknames, you know. I mean, we all have nicknames that we have, you know. And and that's not just the case for like Indian women or for Indians in general; just like for people as well. Like, we all have nicknames, you know. Nikki is a quite common nickname for Indian women. Like, that's what it is, especially if your first name is Nieti. So, I I want to say that I want to. publicly acknowledge that that you know i feel like that sort of critique is a little bit out of hand and uh but if it's within politics i completely fi- i'm completely fine with it i mean i think nikki Haley is like the ambassador for like every defense firm imaginable you know so i i assume that if she runs she'll get thrashed she's not gonna she's gonna be in some cabinet position i assume with desantis if he ends up winning uh, because desantis is, is as corporate as they come do not be fooled by desantis do not be fooled by DeSantis. He says he's a populist. He has populist rhetoric, but his policies are very much in line with the new, with the with the establishment Republican base and with their position. Be very very uh, open about that. Uh, be very honest about that. Uh, that you know that he is just as establishment as they come. So uh, beyond we understand that uh, that he is just as establishment as as they can come. So. Yeah, overall, I'm, 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 I just want to see, I just want to see chaos. You know, I feel like regardless of whether or not you're Republican or Democrat, I just want to see chaos ensue. You know, I feel like we're all the Joker from the Dark Knight, where we just want to see it burn. You know, as Alfred would say, you know, some people just want to watch the whole, whole world burn. And right now, I'm like that Elmo meme. I'm that Elmo meme where the fire's coming from the back, and I'm like, 
looking up and and, and just basking in, in the in the craziness of it all. Because at this moment in time, politics is wrestling. And there's not going to be another political figure that will change America in any fundamental way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you, but America is not known for rapid growth and advancement and development. It's just not. This place is always meant for a, a, a ground to you know, make as much money as you possibly want and to to take advantage of those that you truly love and admire. That's what America is about in terms of ec economics. It really isn't much more than that. You know, America is not known for advancement in any way, shape or form. So so just enjoy your limited time on this earth, you know, spend it with the with people that you truly love and admire, because to truly be involved and to truly partake in, in politics, you're you're running you're running a dangerous game. You're playing a dangerous game. You know, don't be that much invested in politics because, as we all know, it's it's foolish to do so, and and I I, I don't think it's helpful whatsoever. So yeah, uh, that's sort of what I want to get into with the Nikki Haley situation is that it's all dumb, it's all dumb, and you'll you'll see a lot of Nikki Haley's out there, both on the Republican side and on the Democrat side. You know, there'll be a lot of establishment Republicans that will act exactly like Nikki Haley. They may get better numbers based on how they do in the debates. But overall, it's all the same. You know, they're all the same. All these Republican candidates, you know, maybe Trump is different in a lot of ways, certain ways, maybe his rhetoric. But if you look at Donald Trump and his time in office, he was Jeb Bush. He was Mitt Romney. He governed exactly no differently than Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush would if they were in office. So to sit here and say that he was a populist or that he was, you know, a national conservative or whatnot or any of these terms that are being thrown on, on Trump, paleo conservative, you know, he exact he governed exactly the same as every other Republican since Reagan. So what is up with that? You know, so anyways, those are my thoughts on the politics side of things. And I think that's it for the podcast today. Uh, so, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel and my podcast clips channel. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, at Audrey Tucker, uh, underscore at the end on all my social mediums. And uh, hopefully we're able to talk more about tennis and things within our political and societal realm. Uh, I don't know about my weekly pick. Uh, I'm currently reading this book. And as you probably know, it's Brady Sinellis' book, so hopefully that can be my weekly pick. Hopefully I can finish it, uh, because there is over, there's over 600 pages in that, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think that's it for you guys today. So guys, thank you so much for watching, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend, spend time with your family and friends, and we'll talk more about things within our political and societal realm, as well as talk about things within tennis as well. All right, guys, peace. See you all.